All down. All silent. Going, going, going. Gone. Solid congratulations. Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader, Peter O'Malley, to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Welcome everyone to Current Market Insights and welcome back, Peter. Oh, thanks, Kieran. Great to be here. Great to see you as always. Uh, This week, Peter, I really want to talk about something that's a hot topic in the media at the moment, a hot topic for us on the ground. The rental market, the rental crisis, everyone I talk to is is panicking, those that are looking for a rental. I read a story in the paper this week just saying there are hundreds and hundreds of people queuing up for apartments that are overpriced. Clearly, there is a rental crisis. Where's this come from? And uh, you know, w- what's the way forward from here? Uh, where's it come from or what's the cause? There's no one issue as to why we're having a rental crisis in the city at the moment, Kieran. And I think that's... Uh part of the conversation that we need to have is what are the issues that are causing the rental crisis because everyone's out for uh, uh, the one thing that's gone wrong. But if you look at the supply chain crisis that's happening globally and why you struggle to see some of your uh, favourite items on the shelves at Woolworths, if you like, the supply lines haven't collapsed or been strained like they have in the last 15 months for one reason. It's a a multitude of issues that have converged coming out of COVID that that have caused these. So I think as far as the rental crisis goes, economists always talk about supply side pressure and demand side pressure. And it might be a good idea to go through that perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So let's then start on the supply side. Uh, I guess the most common thing I hear around supply is we need more houses. We need more houses. Everyone throws back, you know, 20 or 30 years to Bob Carr and how he didn't build enough houses in Sydney. What is your experience of of the current supply level, I guess, uh, of properties for people to rent in Sydney? Well, look, there is clearly not enough supply in the rental market at the moment, but there's a number of reasons under that heading as to why there isn't. So the first is there's been a lack of new development since 2020. Understandably, during COVID, a lot of the big builders put projects on the go slow and were very hesitant to commence new projects. So if they were halfway through or well into a project, yeah, they pushed on with it during COVID. As we know, they were shut down for two weeks in its entirety in 2021. Now, it wasn't just a matter of everyone going home for two weeks and then coming back two weeks later and recommencing. When you shut down an entire industry like that, it doesn't spark back up in three Mondays' time. It takes time to close everything down properly, and then it takes time to shut everything up properly. And what we were hearing from the construction industry is that put it back somewhere between sort of um, three to four months, just, just that one act alone, even though the shutdown was only two weeks. They had other restrictions on them during COVID, as we know. Um, so the reality was is that we came out of COVID with a mindset of creating a lot of tenancy demand by opening the borders and encouraging students to come back into the country. But we hadn't prepped for that because we were oversupplied in the city during COVID for dwellings. We certainly didn't need more. Developers didn't want to be you know, building more apartments during COVID when that was the one product that were struggling to sell inner city apartments. Everything else was booming, but inner city apartments weren't. So lack of development is 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 a massive one because we just don't have enough for the marketplace at the moment. 
during COVID, um, when the market was booming, we sold about a third of our sales, we sold straight from our rent roll, Kieran. Now, of that one third of the sales that came off the rent roll, the vast majority, like 80 to 90% of the properties that were sold from our rent roll, sold to an owner-occupier. So if that happened in one real estate agency, you can bet your bottom dollar that it happened across the board. And just to clarify there for for our listeners who aren't aware, you're talking about properties that we were managing yes. for landlords that then decided in the boom, let's let's sell and cash out now. Yeah, because during the boom, landlords were faced with record high prices and record low rents. So a lot of a lot of landlords right across the city said, "This is the sign for me to sell this investment property at this point in time." And the vast majority of people that bought those rental properties being sold were owner owner occupiers. So we're talking supply side here. So you see further contraction on the rental market coming out of uh, coming out of that. We're helping some clients get DA approvals on their properties at the moment. Very basic ones. We're talking roller door out the back to connect with the relay and access, for example, someone with a big piece of land and just wants to do a basic subdivision. What I have learned by working with these clients on their DA process is how slow the entire process is dealing with local councils. They're all backlogged, they're all short-staffed, and timelines are blowing out. So any developer that says, hey, I'm looking at conditions here and now suggesting this is the right time for me to come back in and create some development, will go down to the local council and find their timelines completely blown out. And and as I say, the, the exposure that I've had has been for very, very basic DA requirements. I can only imagine that if you're looking to turn a large block of land into three, you know, three separate dwellings, for example, or build a block of units, how problematic that would be. So it's understandable that local councils want to control development in their local area and make sure it fits in and all those sorts of things, but that the uh, on the other side, it only contributes to the supply side pressure that the city is facing at the moment. Um, landlords are needing to offset their rising mortgage rates and maintenance costs. So it's not just their mortgage that's going up, you know, maintenance costs when things go wrong, with the property, um, strata rates, etc., it's all going up. So landlords, understandably, who are supplying these rental properties are insisting that their property managers put the rent back up to what it was before COVID initially, and now we're seeing rents go well past what they were at pre-COVID. I, I find this point particularly interesting, Peter. A lot of the, I guess, the discourse that I see and, and people I talk to, one of their major complaints in the rental market at the moment is, you know, my rent's going up by X amount or X percentage. Uh, all I'm doing is is now just paying more of the the landlord's mortgage off. I guess it's obviously important that we, you know, landlords are recuperating some of these rising costs. Otherwise, it's no longer viable to have a, a an investment property uh, or a, or a rental property in the market. I guess what's the message for for renters out there to sort of soften that mentality that uh, and and in fact, you know, Leanne Pilkington touched on it fairly recently uh, around this idea that the landlords aren't necessarily the bad guys for trying to cover their costs. And she was pillared in the process. So of don't do that to me, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to not going to stitch you up as well, but I think it's you know, if, it's if a she, sensitive topic is, is the reality. It is. And the, yeah. the discourse, particularly from, you know, young couples, young families, those that are really feeling the pinch is why should I have to pay, you know, an extra 200 or $300 or $500 a week just to cover someone's mortgage? Market forces saw tenants get a very good deal during COVID because people fled the city 
people couldn't pay their rent, they were on JobKeeper, and the rental market crashed. So tenants got a very good, very good run at that point in time to the detriment of landlords. Yeah. The market has now swung right around where it's clearly running in favor of landlords, and market forces are giving landlords a, a much better deal than they had. The reality is, is that landlords are not money-hungry millionaires that some would try and paint them out to be. In most cases, they're mums and dads trying to look for a tax-effective way to create wealth for their retirement because that's what they've been encouraged to do. It's not mum and dad investors or retail investors, whatever description you want to put to them. It's not up to them to create social housing. That's the government's responsibility. So the reality for a tenant is, is that when you lease a property from a private individual via a real estate agency, you are having an open market trade with that landlord. And they don't need to rent the property to you at any particular price other than one they're comfortable with. And conversely, you don't need to pay any particular price for that property other than one that you're happy and able to do so. So it's an open market trade. Now, Chris Minns, in the forthcoming state election, wants to enforce a, a policy when landlords can't stop tenants from having pets. Now, that's well-meaning in its aspirations, but what that does is that tightens the supply-side pressure further because our landlords that don't want animals staying in their investment property are going to say, well, that investment class doesn't work for me, and I'm going to pursue another investment class, which means that that's an investor that doesn't come into the market and create another rental property that can go to a tenant. So we need to watch the policies here where the unintended consequences can catch everyone out by surprise, because we need, as a city, to be increasing the supply side of rental properties. But when you introduce policies like that, you actually inadvertently tighten them. Oh, look, I'd have to agree. And I think it's uh, it's certainly aspirational to to say we can do all of these things from a government policy perspective, uh, but it really doesn't consider, as you say, the nuance of, it may not just be that, that the owners don't want pets in their property. They, they, you know, there may be medical reasons they don't want that kind of thing happening for them. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, it's important to touch on this. And if I lend you my car, it's up to me to put the rules around the basis that I lend you my car. And if I lend you, if I lease you a property, I should be able to say, these are the conditions that I want to lease you the property under. And if that doesn't work for you, no offense, I'll keep looking for another tenant to go into the property and you keep looking for another property to go into. During COVID, particularly in Queensland and Victoria, we saw more draconian policy placed on landlords than we've ever seen in this country before. But we were in a national emergency and people said, I don't like it, but I'll roll with it. But going forward, the, co the, the pandemic's behind us now. We're getting back to normal market operations. And to tell someone, doesn't matter the reason, to tell someone they should have an animal in their property when they don't want to is not going to inspire landlords to come into the market because they're already under enough duress. Now, landlords are demonized by their use of negative gearing. Some use it, some don't. But if you think about a landlord, they pay all levels of government taxes. They pay council rates. They pay stamp duty on the purchase. They pay land tax each year. 
if they qualify for, for land tax, which the majority do, that increases just about every year. And then when they sell the property and make a profit, the federal government tapped them and say, hey, by the way, you owe us some capital gains tax. Now, if you're trading in the equities market, there is nowhere near that amount of taxation for a share trader as what there is for a property investor. So this thing about property investors get some negative gearing benefits and they're all horrible and they're getting rich on, on behalf of the taxpayer is a nonsense. And that's why we're very open during the 2019 election saying if you pull negative gearing out, the unintended consequences will of that will be far worse than you could imagine. And the demonization of uh, landlords is absolutely wrong if we want to increase the supply side because the more you demonize landlords, the tighter you make the rules the more they go and park their money elsewhere, making the shortage more acute. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's pretty obvious to see, you know, it's happened in places like the US where there has been, uh, you know, government implementations of rules that, that landlords haven't been able to or not willing to accommodate uh, that has led to things like, you know, large corporate uh, landlord ownerships and, and, you know, land banking for the sake of, of rental profit, which certainly doesn't benefit anyone else on the ground. Uh, I'd like to, to jump over, if we can now, and look at some of those demand side uh, factors that are impacting the sure. rental market. Yep. One we touched on last week. Just, brief- just one on the on the supply side that people are acutely aware of, because um, I think it's a big one, Kieran, sorry. Short stay accommodation. Stays, Airbnb, the like, whoever else is in that space. I, I don't know, but I assume there's others. That is the other one that's draining on the supply side for rental stock, where people are saying, I like my property in Port Macquarie or I like my inner city apartment. I'd like to stay there at some stage. I can get an elevated rent by leasing it to a tourist for four nights a week than than having someone in there permanently. That's fine. They may be able to rent it for more for four nights a week, but the reality is that's another drain on the supply side in the market. Sorry. No, no. Look, really important point, Peter. And and I wonder, you know, very, very quickly, I'm not going to put you on the spot too much, but, you know, what is the solution? do you think for for things like Airbnb? I My general sense is that I feel like it's tapering off a little bit. I feel like it's not as popular as it once was. Um, you know, People maybe aren't looking to utilize the services as much as they were previously. Councils have, have made decisions in the past and even local body corporates have made decisions around how short-stay accommodation can be utilized within a building, for example. Is there an elegant solution that allows landlords or owners to, to maximize their benefit or their interest whilst also supporting local rental markets? Uh, over time, the market calibrates and finds its level. But in the short term, there can be inconsistencies or misalignments, if you like. So if uh, property investors are not getting that return that they're chasing um, from Airbnb, they'll be back to the established market. But it's their property. It's their choice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. We're uh we're moving through this, Pete. So we're going to jump onto those demand side ones that I mentioned. Uh, we touched briefly last week on China being open for business again. Uh, with that, obviously, you mentioned the return of international students. Are we likely to see, you know, universities just started back? Uh, I think for most universities uh, this last week, maybe. Are we going to see the same volume of international students pumping into Australia that we have seen pre-COVID? And if so, more. more? more. And what's the impact likely to be for the rental market? In those markets that appeal to international students, they will continue to skyrocket. Now, there's savvy companies in play in our society, like Scape, for example, that build high-rise purpose-built dwellings for university students around 
universities, but I'm not sure if you saw this week that the uh, Chinese government changed the rules there, um, meaning that online courses don't apply anymore and you have to do in-class tuition for that to be a degree that applies in China. And that is going to accelerate the number of Chinese students that leave China and head to Canada, US, Australia, wherever else they head for, for education. That will be keenly felt in the in the next few weeks ahead. The international borders reopening and Chinese students pouring into the country is not a beat up. It's real. We're seeing it. And um, a lot of the uh, rental properties that, that we have in that corridor, you know, Ultimo Glebe, Newtown, uh, Annandale, quite often will go to overseas students. So that's 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 really played through. No, it's certainly uh, something we see all the time. You know, particularly big, beautiful old terrace seems like a great spot to be. And uh, you know, before you know, there's five or six students in there, all all sharing on their way to uni. Uh, obviously, one of the big things that's that's kind of happened toward the end of uh, 2022 and even the start of this year, many companies have mandated return to work in a more serious fashion. Are we, or are you in particular, are you seeing uh, so far a change in in the type of renter that's coming back to the market around here? Are we seeing those corporates uh, re- return? <clears throat> return to office is on big time, and you're seeing that anecdotally on the on the road during peak hour, for example. Last year, uh, I, I think companies weren't really hard and fast, even though they were firm in wanting people to come back to the office more. They weren't hard and fast because the unemployment rate was so low. And what we must remember about the property market, no matter what trend we're talking about in the last three years, it's a global trend. It's been replicated in Canada. It's been replicated in the UK. It's being replicated in America. And what we're seeing in America now is you've got the big tech companies, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Alphabet as it's known, all trimming back or cutting their their Twitter with uh, Elon Musk's uh, takeover, of course. They're all slashing their workforce. And Elon Musk was the first to come out and say, if you're not back in the office five days a week and at it, you're out of here. And, and sleeping here as well, yeah, as he well, famously said. I'll leave that between uh, Elon <laughs> and the, uh, the staff that have left Twitter. Um, but that is a trend that's going to go across the globe where the uh, what I'm seeing is that the employers are going to seize control again and bring um, I don't know if discipline's the right word, but they're going to they're going to enforce their staff uh, to come back into the office, and that's going to benefit the inner city markets, and it's going to flatten the regional markets. So in 2022, I had friends saying to me, I've, "I want to buy this house in the regions. It's going really well. What do you reckon?" And it was like I'd be staying well away from the regions at the moment because the regions, even though. Sydney prices might be under pressure next year. I think the regions will underperform the city, and I'm really comfortable in that call on the back of the return to office scenario you've just outlined. Yeah, good advice. I think, Peter, as someone who spends a fair bit of time in the regions, that there is certainly that that mentality that the shift back to the city is, is unfortunately occurring for those people. Uh, obviously, we're in an era or a period where interest rates are continuing to rise. Do you think there's going to be an impact on the, the demand for rental properties given the change in the interest rates? Well, look, they are. And this, this is impacting on demand as well, because what's happening is someone who might have otherwise bought a property in 2023 is saying based on rates, and based on real serious question marks about where the property market's heading, I'm not going to buy this year. I'm going to wait until next year or the year after. So that person that was going to that is renting and would have otherwise purchased a property to move into stays in the rental market. So they are contributing to the demand because by rights, in a, in a, in another in another scenario where interest rates were lower, 
they'd have gone into home ownership. They're staying there. So you're seeing this convergence of points uh, such as this one where it might be only a minor point, but it's still a point of demand that is impacting on the overall performance of the market. And untangling this mess is not straightforward. And that's the thing about the rental crisis, why we've been so strong on saying this thing's going to run all year, because I don't see how you untangle this mess easily. The, the animal forces are often running here. So I guess that raises an interesting point, Peter, where, you know, where, where does it go from here? I mean, if you're a, you know, let's use my scenario, I've got a young family. If we're in the rental market at the moment, it's, it's tight, it's stressful. We, we, you know, our lease might be coming up for renewal in a month. What, what does the future look like for us? Where are we going to go? Well, you'll go to the top of your budget for the best property that that budget allows you to buy. So what happens is that you're going to, in that scenario, and I think people are facing this out there at the moment, young families, is they're paying more for less. And that hurts because that's your standard of living is going backwards. And I'm not saying that's justified or that's nice. That's an unfortunate reality of what happens in a rental crisis. I think if you're not a family and you're single or a flatmate scenario and you've been living by yourself, it's a little bit easier to, and you know, if you're able and wanting to do so, it's a little bit easier to offset the rental market where you can potentially share, get a flatmate to share some of the rent. And that might be a great way to save some money um, so that you can then eventually buy your first property. Yeah. So do you think with all the the things we've kind of talked about today, supply side issues, the demand uh, issues that we're facing, do you think we're likely to see continuing increase in rents through this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And how, I guess, how far do you think we might end up going? Well, if wages continue to rise, rents will continue to rise. And, and what we were just discussing is rents will rise until they're at the top of people's budgets, until the market says no more. And that's that's quite uh, unfortunate, but until you see a government response to supply side pressure, it won't ease. And 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 governments that are tinkering with the rules, making property investment less desirable, are making the overall equation more difficult. Yeah, it's it honestly it speaks to me of you know blaming the little guy and his light bulb for the energy crisis. I think governments, in my experience, they're they're pushing, you know, they're they're pushing the the blame onto landlords and demonising them at the sake of saving their own skin. I personally haven't seen any great innovative government policy ideas to fix the the supply side crisis. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I hope to see you know the current government, whoever it might be in New South Wales or federally as we move forward, addressing this in a more serious way. Well, development is local and state where migration policy is federal. So what you're seeing is Jim Chalmers and Anthony Albanese saying, you know, we're going to uh, up the intake from 200,000 to 300,000. Correct. I think it was. That's great because we need we need that, you know, that labour coming in to handle the blockages that are in the economy. But where are they going to live, Anthony? Well, there's a, I hear there's a big share house in Annandale that's got six or seven rooms, Peter. There may be some space in there. We've solved it today. We have. Look, uh, that's all the time we've got for today. Really, uh, really great episode, I think, Peter. We've covered a, a huge amount and, and there's certainly, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the rental market and on people looking to rent right now. Thanks for your time and, and we'll have a chat again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.